Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by OCR athlete Ariel Fitzgerald. Ariel and I had a great conversation about all sorts of things when it comes to nutrition and ultimately how we can be healthier humans and athletes by changing up our nutrition in small ways. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Arielle, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am good. I mean, it, it's, been a, it's been an eventful last few hours or days, but uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to be stuck in another country, there's worse countries to be stuck in. <laughs> yes, this is bad. That's what I keep saying. It's just like a, a little elongated altitude training uh, <laughs> that I didn't know I was going to be getting. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yes. Awesome. The world with COVID. You never know what's going to happen, right? Exactly. You have to be willing to uh, adjust your travel plans and pay a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me today amongst all the craziness that is going on in your world right now. Um, I'm excited to just dive into, you have quite a story from your past that really got you to really understand nutrition in a different um, holistic way. Um, So I would just love for you to kind of discuss all that. But um, so first off, we'll just go here. Who are you? Um, So I am Ariel Fitzgerald. I'm kind of born in um, Ontario, Toronto, Ontario, Um, but in the last few years have moved to Rocky. So I, Calgary, Alberta is my home now. Um, I have a pretty like started as a childhood, like young track star and more of like the jump explosive, uh, long jump and triple jump events and somehow managed to make my way to ultra running. Um, and then now I'm back in the obstacle course racing, um, arena is where I've been sort of playing for the last few years. Um, yeah, and this year I've been on Nicole Miracle's Dream Team, so that's presented a bunch of other opportunities and support. Um, how did you get, not many times do we hear a sprinter going to the ultra distance over time. How did that all happen? Um, so the reason I guess um, in high school after my um, junior year probably, I started getting recruited by a lot of like different scholarships and was being like flown across Canada, being flown into the States just to like see um, different schools um, as well as like training and like studying for all these different tests in the States and then keep academics there that I think I just got like overloaded with stress and then ended up having some health issues my senior year, um, which sort of forced me to like quit sport completely. And then I think I called it like my rock bottom years where like my whole life I was known as a track star and didn't do that anymore. And like, didn't like think I could ever get back to that level again, that I almost had like a bit of an identity crisis where I just started to run and I just started to like run to find clarity, to kind of like wrap my head around like everything um, that was going on. But it was also like something that was like very easy to control. Like I could, follow a running schedule and it was like easy to control and escape sort of whatever else was going on and I think just like doing that for a few years um pulled me into longer endurance 
sports as like endurance was definitely like a metaphor for like everything I was going going on with my health um but the short thing like the short story is I was running and I was listening to a podcast about ultra marathoning and I was like hey I wonder if I could run 100 kilometers and went home and signed up for my first 100 kilometer race <laughs> that is like the short version of how it actually happened um and actually at that time I wasn't running I had broken my humerus so I was just walking um and I was like maybe when I can run again I should like run this 100 kilometer race um and that's what I did <laughs> I love that you just jumped right to the 100k distance. Like, why why do the 50k to start? Oh, it was funny. Like, I turned 21 that year, and my goal was to run a half marathon, like 21 kilometers for 21 years. And then I broke my arm snowboarding. So I was like, well, there goes that goal. I won't do that. But somehow I managed to like loop back to like running 100k, um, like six weeks after I had like got my arm out of a cast. Like I couldn't like run for a long time. Um, Yeah. So that was kind of (laughs) entertaining. And and it was funny because like I didn't realize. So I had signed up for like the Canadian National Championships. Like that was sort of like the race I had signed up for. Um, and then I was like, oh, my work had asked me at the time if I wanted to run this marathon. So I was like, sure, I do a run on like, so I ran my first marathon six days before I ran my first hundred kilometer race. So it was just like a really big, like band-aid, band-aid approach, like flew across the country by myself at 21 years old, like walked to the start line, had no fuel, no water, like nothing with me, just like no support and ran this race. Yeah, that was sort of how it all started. <laughs> well, good thing the body is resilient at 21 years old. Yeah, exactly. Or like if you're like kind of, I think there's a lot to be said about just like the unknown and like no expectations, just this like whole world of unknown um, that forces you to become like a very good problem solver and less like reactive to when things go wrong. Like, you know, like you have no expectations. You don't even know if things are going wrong. Um, So it's, it's a lot easier to kind of keep going. Which there's a lot of truth to that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like, if you don't know this isn't normal, then just do it. Well, I remember, I remember like, cause when I ran my first marathon, like I had run like a pretty good time for like your first first marathon and I remember like my like not knowing like I had just like it was just like a long run to me and my friend called me and was like is this actually your name on the list like did you just do this and I was like yeah <laughs> and I was like I don't know what any of these times mean and then she was like super excited for me and then like at this race this 100 kilometer race I ended up finishing I was the first female I like ran a standard to qualify for the Canadian national team was invited on for worlds. And then I had like finished third overall. So I was like on the men's podium and like, no one knew who I was. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and the guys were just like, you're telling me you ran a marathon, like a three sub, like a three hour marathon six days ago. And now you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, like to, it was just like, I didn't care. Like I had zero attachment to like any form of expectation or outcome. Um, and I think there was a lot to be said about that young and naive sort of, um, yeah, I wish I could go back to that mentality, to be honest. Um, yeah. Let's take a quick break to talk about Power Insole. When I first heard about this product, I was automatically turned off because of the name. 
I thought it helped support the foot, which was a huge no for me. I quickly found out I was wrong. Power Insole is a two by two gel pad that goes inside your shoe that works on your body's cells to help improve your recovery and your performance. I've been testing this out for a couple weeks now and really am amazed by the results. Like my body just feels better. My legs don't feel as heavy. And one really cool thing is you can put it on an area that's maybe injured or just achy and that pain and stiffness goes away quickly, or at least it did for me, which I thought was awesome. If you are looking for just a simple, easy way that you can enhance your recovery and your performance, I really encourage you to check out Power Insole and give it a test ride for yourself. You can find more information about them and pick up one for yourself at getyourfixpt.com slash powerinsole. And if you use code getyourfix at checkout, you can save 10%. You can also go to my partner's page, getyourfixpt slash partners, and find the link directly to Power Insole as well as all my other partners. And now let's get back to the show. Um, do you tend, so curious now, do you tend to like go into races fairly like nervous with expectations now, or do you do your best to kind of just keep it as far as like, I'm just here to have fun type mentality? Um, so I tend to take things a lot more seriously now. Um, but I've been like working on a bit of like the bat, like the balance of it, like depending on the race, like I found obstacle course racing, like, um, it's very different than like, so like running a hundred kilometers on a road is like very like straight linear like everything's quite controllable like you're pretty much like in your own world um where obstacle course racing you generally have to like not use a watch like not you, like you know like you're more gauging yourself off like the obstacles and like the people in the race and who you're with and who you're not with so it's a, it's very different um like I remember so when I went to world championships I like had an, a really horrible race because I was like really excited and like you know, like my fitness was a little bit better. Like I just, I just felt like I was excited to like, so everything, my first race went absolutely right. Like despite like only eating like 200 calories, I was like, all my splits were the same. Like every single 10 K split was like within minutes of each other. Like, you know, didn't really like have this massive bonk, like got a little dizzy, like when it got hot, but you know, someone gave me some water and like a salt tablet. So it was like very, like everything went right. And I didn't realize going into my second one that that was like a very abnormal experience or like out of the ordinary experience right so then in my second race when I, I went in I was I had gotten sick on the plane so I had a cold and just like I wasn't good at problem solving for the second race um so then the third time I ran or the third or fourth like the second time I went back to world championships um I was able to be a lot more like calm and like less expectations of myself um, and as a result, I like did better. So I think it, it, again, I guess it depends on what I'm training for. Uh, but we are, I was saying, like, I guess this weekend to, to people, um, when you are like internal, like I'm very internally motivated. So like, it doesn't matter what race I'm lining up for. If I care about it, that's what makes me nervous. Like it could be like a local race makes me more nervous than a world championship race, depending on like my expectation to perform. Um, so I thought, I think, yeah, <laughs> I guess it depends. 
Yeah, definitely makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. You mentioned it in passing as far as having some health issues that took you out of running for a while or doing much of anything for a while. Um, I would love for you to kind of dive into that story because it's um, you, you learned a lot from it and it's kind of brought you to where you are today. So um, share share that with us if you wouldn't mind. Awesome. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, do you want to go back to like the, the beginning? <laughs> go to the beginning. All right. <laughs> so... <laughs> I guess like uh, as a kid, I was like very active and just involved in a lot of things. Um, but I was also like, I had a super horrible diet, like very like processed, like lack of vegetables, like full of sugar, like refined food. Um, and everyone used to like joke to me, like one day this is going to catch up with you. And, you know, like, you know, you're lucky now because you're young and like healthy and active, but one day it will catch up to you. Um, and I just kind of like always laughed uh, until it wasn't like a joke anymore because it like, it didn't like catch up to me in the form of like gaining weight. It had like the opposite effect where like I stopped sort of just like not absorbing. I wasn't getting in enough nutrients because my diet was very like, there wasn't many nutrients in it. Um, and then like my gut started like not absorbing like a lot of calories um, because it was inflamed. It was like, um, just upset with what I was feeding it. So like I lost a ton of weight. Um, and like, I shouldn't say like a ton, like I was already small. So it only took like 10, 10 pounds, 10, 15 pounds for people to be like, what happened? You know what I mean? Which generally, like if you're larger, you can lose like five to 10 pounds, like if you get a cold. Right. So it wasn't like I was like, this happened for like a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was a long time. It was like months before someone was like, what's going on. Um, and, uh, at the time, like gluten, like allergies, like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's and colitis, like there wasn't a ton on like gut health and gut biome and how like stress impacts our gut biome and like our ability to absorb things. So like doctors were like, she has an eating disorder. Like she's, you know, she must have an eating disorder. And then when your parents like, you know, and there's no other explanation for it other than like, I have an eating disorder. I'm, I'm small. I'm losing weight. I must like have an eating disorder. So I was just like wanting to compete again. So I was like, you know, maybe this, you know, whatever, like I'll learn about food. I'll go into this. Like they put me in like a, um, outpatient eating disorder, um, treatment center. So this was like all going on in like my senior year. So it was like emotionally challenging in the sense that like a year ago I was like, um, you know, had one provincials. I was like being flown around the country, like recruited for all these like different university scholarships to like not being able to go to track practice to like having my heart tested like twice a week to having like weekly blood work done. And now to like driving like an hour to do this, like in treatment thing. So it was like very like emotionally challenging. Um, and I just remember like going like a couple times to this like um, program and just coming home and being like, this is not what's going on. Like, I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't even like relate or comprehend or like anything to what these like I could empath or uh, sympathize with what these like, like girls were going through but I couldn't like relate to it in that sense um so I refused to go back and um I refused to go and they were actually trying to put me into like a hospital like an inpatient one because like that's how like malnourished I was 
Um, so they wanted to put me in like in person, like IVs, bed rest sort of ordeal. So like kind of like at the same time, I'd like received a call that like I could go to the hospital and like be hospitalized for a few months until things improved. And I just like was like, no, I'm not going. Like I refused to go. And it was like a huge argument with like my family, my parents, because like everyone was scared. And like to them, this is like what was an answer or like the only solution but like to me I like couldn't like it wasn't the answer I just like knew in myself um so I just stubborn as I am was like I'm not going give me like four months or like you know give me like a month I think I even said to like prove that I can like make improvements like you know I can figure out what's going on and at that time I had found um Rob Wolf and Sarah Ballantyne, who land more in like the paleo space, like Rob Wolf, Wolf, Wolf had a very similar story to mine. And then Sarah was like really into like autoimmune conditions and like healing the gut with food. Uh, and I was like, hey, this like sounds like something that could maybe work. I uh, just based on like my symptoms and like um, Rob's story was like pretty, very, like very relatable to mine. Um, and that's sort of what I did. I like started like religiously, like I think for a year. So I did like listen to like what the doctor told me, like I stopped exercising, I stayed on bed rest, like, and then I just like kind of made like my own at home, like treatment center, um, and like nourished myself with like real food, um, versus like going into this hospital setting. And then like, as weeks went on, you know, I started to get like life back in my face again like my gut started to heal um and I mean gluten and dairy like are two things that I had to like keep out of my diet and originally when I first started healing my diet healing my gut I had to like keep all grains out um but then as I like healed my gut and improved I was I've been able to like incorporate these things back in um so I think like I was very lucky at like a very young age to sort of um, learn about like the ability to heal yourself with food. Um, yeah, and like the, how, how powerful of a medicine it can actually be. Like it's, it's actually quite crazy, um, which, what, which is what led me to like um, studying into nutrition afterwards as well. Cause I was like, oh, this is like very interesting. Um, the reason like, so I went into holistic nutrition instead of um, like dietetics primarily because I did have a bit of like a relapse where I not like relapse isn't the right word, but like I was getting healthier and then I kind of like started to slip again. Um, and it was at the same time when I had like gone back to university and started running competitively. And I just think it was too soon. So like um, the holistic appeal was just like learning to me, it was like really attractive, like learning about how like stress and the role stress plays on the body and its ability to like um, be healthy, right? And like its ability to absorb food and if you're always stressed and like, you know, fight or flight. So that's sort of what drew me to studying and more of like the alternative, looking at the big picture versus just like focusing in on like the nutrition. And I think it's so like don't truly understand or most people I don't think the impact that just like everything in life has on on our gut on our health on injuries because so many times people are like oh well I'm you know I'm eating this many calories or I'm eating enough um but I'm still like having these health issues or these medical issues and um 
you know, there just is so much interplay between like what the body's actually doing and how much it can actually, what it can do with that food that you're putting in it. Yes. Right. It's like, it's, and like the gut, like we're just tapping into like the gut's ability to absorb things. Right. Um, and I think sometimes like people go so long with not, sometimes people think that it's okay to feel how, like they just like make, think it's normal that they feel the way they feel all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, like they think it's normal to like have low energy or like, it's normal to like be constipated all the time or the opposite, go to the washroom all the time, you know, um, or have, you just like, we normal, we normalize things um, just because we don't know any different or because it's like not taught, right? Or we don't know, you know, like we don't know any differently. Um, And I think a lot of the time we like to, to put diet and nutrition into like silos So like, you know, you want to lose weight. So you cut out X, Y, and Z. Like we do it in these very, like, we want things to be linear. We like rules. We like, but it doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that's sort of, you see that a lot with like low carb, like, you know, low carb for losing weight and like high fat and all of those diets, which like, yes, they do work for some people in some cases, but contrary, they can be like quite detrimental to other people. Right. So depend. And I think if we like looked at food and like stress management and fitness more as like one and like, what works for me, what works for my life, you know, um, versus just like, Oh, I want to do this. (laughs) This is what I do. Like, this is like, I hate when people like identify as like their diet. Like I am this, I am a vegan or I am keto. It's like, you aren't a diet. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's not what it's about people. Like we, we, we aren't, we shouldn't identify as those things. Um, so, and cause yeah, there's so much to it. Uh, and I think it can sometimes be as simple as like, like fructose, like components of food, for example, depending on your gut biome can cause reactions. Um, So like lactose is a very common one, but like lactose belongs to like a fructose group of food. And fructose, for example, is hard to digest. Some people have a hard time digesting it. But under the fructose category, there's lots of these healthy foods that would belong in certain diets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I just, I think it comes back to like nutrition is like N equals one and like really being open to finding out what works for you and like feeling, feeling good. Um, the more variety, the better. <laughs> That's what I always say. I'm like, if we would just like get rid of these silos and look at like the common denominator of like pretty much every single diet, it's fruits and vegetables, it's variety. Right. Mm-hmm. And then even if you look at like, the science that's coming out with like gut health and like, I think it's like 38 different plant varieties every year, every day, every week. So like the more variety you have, the more diverse, the more um, different types of like fuel you're feeding your gut biome, the healthier your gut biome will be. And as a result, the more food you'll absorb, the more nutrients you'll absorb, the better you'll feel, um, you know, right down to the cellular level. And like, well, that's a cool goal. Like, you know, maybe I want to eat as much variety as possible instead of being like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to eat this, this, and this. My goal is to eat more variety. So <laughs> it's just like reframing it. 
Well, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I think just from a mental standpoint, like thinking about the things you can do or can have is so much better for you mentally than thinking about all these things that you can't. Cause essentially, if you think about things you can, like that's where your mind goes and focuses on and you stress yourself out. Um, yeah, well, exactly. Right. And it's just like, and then you're, you're kind of always like disciplined and like discipline or like, I feel like willpower is finite. So like the more you can remove like willpower in life, the more sustainable it should be. And it's like, we can't live without food. Like food is like essential to life. You know, it's not like if you're, you know, maybe dealing with a different form of substance abuse, you can like remove the substance. Right. And you can maybe like use willpower to help remove the substance. Right. But like using willpower to change your food behavior is just like not good for success because if willpower is finite. Right. So like, why not? I agree. Like, why not view it through a different, a different lens? Um, it's also meant to be enjoyed. Like, I feel when you like sit down with like other cultures where like food is like the foundation of like their culture and like their gatherings and enjoyment, you start to realize how broken in North America, the food, the food channel is and like, you know, how we've, what we've created in that sense, (laughs) but that's like a totally different, um, tangent. (laughs) (laughs) It is true, though, when you think about, like, in other countries, as as far as whether it's every day they get together with their families or extended families and have a big meal or, you know, at least once a week. But it is such a huge just, like, enjoyment process rather than just, like, all right, like, this is what I have to eat today because that's what someone told me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Or we have abundance of waste. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And don't get me wrong, like, I do think, like, there's, it's kind of like with training, like, there's always a time and place to, like, dial things in, but maybe that's, like, 20% of the time, right? Like, if you, if you do value or if you have a certain goal that requires, like, a certain, um, you know, diet or nutrition plan, then I think there's, like, something to be said about, like, sticking to it. But I do think that, like, 80% or 90% of the time, it should be this, like, um, like a it's a lifestyle Mm -hmm. right and like if you view it through like I'm choosing to nourish myself like I'm choosing a a banana over a donut then like sure but like maybe in some cases choosing the donut over the banana is better right like you don't know um because yeah um just like the banana in theory is healthier for you maybe choosing a donut means you have a healthier every now and then means you have a healthier relationship with food, which alternate ultimately is healthier for you than constantly choosing the banana. <laughs> so, yeah, it makes sense. One thing I like, I saw a post a while back and it just kind of, now that shifted the way I thought about things, but it makes some, like, there's so much truth to it. It's that because of the way our society is of like so much processed foods and everything, it's like, Anyone who goes out with friends, or I shouldn't say anyone, but a lot of times when you go out with friends, when we are thinking more of like eating a way that serves our bodies better, it's like we have to almost defend ourselves for like why we're eating this healthier thing versus eating junk. And it's really interesting dynamic that's kind of been created around with that in our culture just because I'm like, why do we have to defend ourselves just because we want to eat healthy on a regular basis? 
I know. Right. Like it's, that is a really good point. Cause like some of my like, you know, friends or family members who like with kids, like, I think you see this a lot with like parents and then grandparents and they're like, you know, sometimes it's like justifying why they choose to feed their kids the way they um, but I, I do think that if you go to cultures where they don't really have this whole processed food chain, they like, it's the opposite, right? Like, I, you know, I have a lot of like friends who grew up in like other parts of the world. Right. And so like some of the stuff they were never exposed to as a kid. So when they moved to Canada, they just like, what is this like, like, uh, five minute microwave meal like to them like these things never existed so like it was just like food was food and nutrition was like part of like what was on the table every day where here we put other we have abundance of like processed things so that's sort of where we have a bit of a <laughs> push pull um of having to justify I, I always believe that we've made a monster out of the food system in a sense like at the foundation it's quite easy um it's more of like not necessarily like we have the opportunity to um live a faster paced life because of you know so we have food can now be like rushed right so now we need fast food right we're like before like our grandparents like dinner time was sunday every sunday night at a certain hour and you don't miss it but we don't you know like those sorts of foundations of the food culture are going away every year just to keep up with like activities and sport and life and two jobs and all of that. So I think it's very like multidimensional. Oh, absolutely. It definitely is. And I think it's, and not that it takes a lot of work to do necessarily, it just takes a different thought process or different type of planning, but you can still, whether it's make meals or just eat super healthy or eat healthier um, you know, avoiding the processed foods, um, in a very like easy and quick way. Like it's not something that has to be rocket science and take a real long time necessarily. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. <laughs> it's when somebody's like, I want to like start eating healthy. So then they like buy the like fanciest cookbooks and like, you know, it's just like, you know, just teach people like, um sometimes I yeah teach people like you know you need a protein a carb and a fat like you know it's just like a food plate and you have these plates and you put whatever you want on it and then cooking can become fun um like sometimes I find like guys are like when they cook dinner it's like okay I need some form of protein some form of carb and some form of veggie and they're like really good at it because they don't like overcomplicate things <laughs> so it's just like okay tonight is rice tomorrow's potatoes like they just like are really good at like simplifying and like making decisions um in my experience so I think it's I agree I think real food can be fast and we can like change the way we think about it um and just like remove the like like the judgment um, across like both ways. Like, you know, when you see, like sometimes you see like you'd never, you'd never judge in like an overweight person for eating an apple, but you might judge like an underweight person for eating an apple and vice versa. You might judge an underweight, overweight person for eating a donut, but you might not judge an underweight person for eating a donut. And like, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it's just not. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you just described the way I cook. I literally, it's like, which vegetable do I want today? Which protein do I want today? Let's cut it up and cook it. Yeah, right? And it's like really not that hard. And like, I think the fun part is like, let's play with spices or let's play with sauces. And like, that's where you can get creative. Um, And just like ease of decision making. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then I also think like um, eating like seasonal, like, a lot of people say like, oh, I can't afford to eat this way, but it's like, you can, if you like, you know, eat what's in season mm-hmm. and then like, um, cook like tip to tail. Like if you're buying a full chicken, like make soup with it the next day or like make broth with it. And it's just like integrating, like it's a bit of like habit change. And then it's like, well, you don't have to do this all at once, but these are all things you can do. So if we taught people about like, you know, how to navigate a grocery store or how to navigate a kitchen, how to like batch cook and like taught them the foundations of things versus like taught them a a diet, Mm -hmm. right? Like taught them rules and taught them structure and taught them amounts. Like we kind of just shifted that a little bit. Um, I think it can make a huge difference. Yeah, I like that perspective. Um, just because I think there's gets so much like nutrition, diets, whatever you want to call them, like it's gotten as debated and as heated as like religion and politics has, as far as like you have to be plant-based or you have to do keto or you have to do this. And I'm like, why can't we just educate people on healthy food choices and let them decide what's best for them? Yes, exactly. Like I remember my friend, she's like a naturopath and she did this like post about like, like, um, like beans and legumes. And she's like, you know, you tell somebody to be a vegetarian because like, that's the best way, you know, like that's better for them, but they like, like really can't digest beans and legumes. So now what? Right. And like, that's sort of where I've always fallen is like, yeah, I would love to like, you know, I understand like eating less meat and stuff but like I have a hard time with a lot of like other food groups that I'm just like well now I'm restrictive right and now that like, what am I supposed to eat and I that's where it comes back to like what we were talking about before of just like let's educate people and let's find what works for you your lifestyle your gut your stomach where you're at in life what your goals are and then go from there this is like let's put you in these silos <laughs> yeah exactly and it truly is um, just kind of to go on that a little bit, a little bit more, like it truly is when it comes to nutrition of an N of one, like your body is unique to you. It's going to respond to everything differently than it's going to respond to any, anyone else. And you really do just have to figure out like what makes you feel good, what makes you feel crappy and, you know, really like create that lifestyle that works based on how you feel. Mm-hmm or a template, right? Yeah. Um, like, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's like, what kind of gas you want to put in your car, it's, you know, and not everyone's car runs on the same type of fuel. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I a hundred percent agree, agree with that. Yeah, even when it comes to, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday about it. Like when you're talking about some of the more like superfoods, biohacking, like some of that stuff, um, there's been some that people are just like, yeah, like use this, it's great for brain function or it's great for energy. And it's like, I've tested some of them out. I'm like, it does nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, and or, so it's like, even that stuff, it's like some people respond well to things. Some people don't. 
exactly right um or it's like they try and uh skip to the micro before they even got the macro so it's like oh I'm gonna do like this this and this and like you know it's a common like out supplement a bad diet and like I worked in supplements for five years so I've seen like everything like you know working in like the food industry um you know the health industry it's just like okay, you're experiencing all these symptoms and you want to take this pill, but like, can we step backwards to like, what did you eat for breakfast? Or what did you, what do you have for lunch every day? And like, can we move back to just the foundations of food? And then maybe like, you know, some supplements might help, but I, yeah, it might not. So can we, can we work backwards too? Um, And like, even in some of the sports nutrition stuff, they say like, if you're eating adequate amounts of healthy food, to, to support your training or like to support your lifestyle in theory, you should have enough. Like, it's not like we're starving. It's not like we're in like, you know what I mean? It's not like we don't get enough energy or calories or nutrients through our diet, or we don't have the opportunity to do that. Some people maybe, and that's when you might see a like need for a supplement. Um, like I live in Canada in the winter, so I don't get enough vitamin D because I'm not exposed to the sun. So like, you know, like those types of things, but your basic <laughs> brain power, I think is uh, a bit of marketing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's not like, yeah, not to say all supplements are bad because no, like, no, there's a purpose for them. Um, but yeah, for sure. Truly like taking supplements. So because your diet sucks, then like that's where we need to look at the shift yes yeah that's what I mean like do I take supplements yes but can we do I have like have I eaten like a found like healthy or quote-unquote have I found what works for me for like three years you know what I mean like do I have that foundation yes so now I can move up to the next level of the pyramid um because sometimes it's just like if you take, if we're talking about habits, right? Like it takes a while to form a habit. So like you wouldn't change all your habits at once. Cause it's just not going to be sustainable. So I think it's like breaking them down into little things until it becomes more autopilot and then incorporating and then, and then layering once you have all these, um, the habits in place, I find habits very interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fascinating to dive into that and just like habits or I like to call it too, like creating routines, um, for things just because like how, like once you have a routine, how easy is it? Like I wake up in the morning and I brush my teeth right away. Like it's just the process of what I do. And so you can also think about things that way when it talk, when you think about like different foods or even like getting water and it's like drink a certain amount right before you eat, eat a meal. And you can easily like get the amount that you need throughout the day. And um, but just creating those habits or those routines can be so helpful for, um, for making changes. And like you said, making them small changes at a time is important. Yes. Yeah. So, so small, sustainable changes or consistency, um, is always the key. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you suggest as far as I know what I suggest typically, but when it comes to making changes and also like being able to sense, is that change good or bad for your body? Especially when we're talking like foods we're putting in the, in the body, how long do you normally tell someone to kind of like test out something before like making that true assessment of like, is it helpful for me or is it not? I mean, I think like depending on what you're doing, um, like a couple weeks, um, to really see like, you know, 
there's two parts to it. It's like, don't try and change too much at once. Um, and then there's the other part of like, so like, I guess it depends on the context too. Like if you know you're removing say dairy from your diet, so like remove it for like 21 days and then like incorporate it. Generally you'll have a reaction to it kind of immediately within the first like few days or week. Right. Um, but then I think with some of the other stuff, it's like, like a supplement could take a while to see the benefits, um, diet, like I, you know, or building muscle, like that can take years. And I don't think people realize that, um, or like leaning out, like, can we talk about other metrics, sleep, you know, mood, um, sex drive performance, like, you know, all of those things are like earlier metrics or even more important metrics to measure than, whether it be a, a number on the scale um, or like check-in points, right? Mm-hmm. That I think are much more valuable than um, numbers. Yeah. And then there's your blood work, right? <laughs> I don't have a certain, t- like certain, because I guess it would depend on what you're dealing with. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're dealing with somebody who's maybe like seeing low levels of testosterone, high estrogen, like hormone disruption, that could take a while. And then is it something like, you know, let's remove caffeine, let's test cortisol, like those, and then you're looking at, you know, months. Um, But then if it's something like sleep, like maybe someone's not sleeping because they're not eating enough carbohydrates to support their training. Well, you can see improvements in like a week or two weeks almost sometimes with that stuff. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You normally say, I'm curious. Uh, 30 to 60 days, depending on what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. I think you need at least that time. And the other thing that's interesting too, that I found, um, at least for myself is there's times that I may try something new just to see what it does for me, you know, cause it's, um, like cherry juice is one of the big ones. So I started drinking mm-hmm. our cherry juice in the evenings and I was like, is this really helping? I don't think it's really helping much. So then I took it out for a couple of weeks just to see. And then I noticed the difference that was making. So I think sometimes too, we might not really totally notice the change until it's like, well, maybe if I take whatever I added in, take it out. And then do I notice the difference too? I think that can be sometimes helpful. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I like that. But yeah, I agree. It's depending if, especially if you're dealing with micro things, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's good to, it takes a while. And the other thing is, is it's not like we're in a science lab where everything's isolated, right? Where there's like no other factors that might be influencing the outcome. So the longer you have with it, you know what, you know what I mean? Like if you do something for two weeks and all of a sudden, well, what else changed at that time? Mm-hmm. So then have a bit more time to see the adaptability depending on what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, um, just kind of taking it full circle back to what you're dealing with too, is, um, when we are talking nutrition, yes, we're cleaning up the gut. We like, that's absolutely necessary, but we also do have to remember like those life stressors are still going to impact us. So you can eat us, you know, amazing and clean all your nutrition up. But at the end of the day, if we don't address all the other, and not that we can clear stress from our life, like that's just part of life, Mm -mm. but creating once again, like routines or things around our lot in our lives in order to really manage that stress better is super important too. I agree. Right. Especially like to that point, you know, like, um, 
like caffeine is always a good one because caffeine has a lot of benefits to it. But then it's the question, like, am I like abusing caffeine? And like, you know, and I think sometimes if you're like really busy and tired and it's lethargic all the time, well, it's like, well, am I abusing, you know, you can maybe look to like making a change of like, okay, instead of having five coffees a day, I'm going to have four or like, you know, and depending on where you're at, like, can I, can I see it differently? Cause I probably giving up caffeine, if you're already stressed out and not really sleeping and ripping off that bandaid is going to put way more stress on the body than just like taking a smaller step back and then maybe going back and back and back. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, I have nothing against caffeine, but if you're, someone's using caffeine for the whole sole purpose of they aren't getting enough sleep. Like, yeah, yeah. look at some lifestyle changes. No, it's, it's so true. Like I had nothing. I sleep a lot. I've been like a very like routine person. And like in the last little bit, I had some, like had a reason to give up caffeine. And like the first time I tried to do it, I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I got hit by a bus. Um, not because I used it like, just like withdrawing from caffeine so then I kind of started like drinking it more again not as much and I mean I drink like maybe max two cups a day like that was sort of my my thing and then I moved to one cup and now I've been like zero but like kind of a bit more but you don't need it Mm -hmm. so I think it is cool to see it like oh no it wasn't disrupting my sleep but that afternoon when I was like really anxious I think that had something to do with my coffee like you know so it's just like being aware of it goes back to like what we were, we were just saying of like removing something and like giving it enough time to see how it actually impacts you. Yeah. And impacts everyone differently. Um, I have no need to give up caffeine. I sleep a lot. My cortisol's fine. Like all of these reasons. Um, but sometimes it gives me anxiety, but sometimes it helps me focus. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of like, right. Like it's like a bit of that push pull. Um, but yeah. Well, and then there's when just talking about caffeine, there's so many factors as far as everyone um metabolizes it differently. So some people it's like that cup is out of your like out of your system within a couple hours. Other people it's like eight hours later when you're trying to go to bed and it's still in your system. <laughs> I know, right? Um yeah, it's true. And I I, think I remember this is a while ago, but like let's see what it's like some people who have like really fast, I think it was the liver, right? If their liver like processes it really well, they can handle a cup of coffee before bed because it's gone. Like, but other people not knowing I, that. Yeah. I listened to a podcast a while back too that mentioned if you add any sort of fats to your coffee, so like any sort of like creamers that might have fat in it or MCT oil or anything like that, it metabolizes slower. Ah, um, I can see that. So it's kind of talking as far as like, if you're wanting it for like to help with brain power and focus and that sort of thing, then you might want to add a little bit of fat to it in order to like let it last in your system a little bit longer. So that could also be a factor as far as how long it's lasting in people's systems and sleep. That is really true. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah Cause that's fat slows it. Yeah. Fat slows everything down. So it, it makes total sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. Is there anything, I know you have quite a background, is there anything we haven't discussed that you feel is super important to mention to the listeners? Uh, eat enough, always. <laughs> like, 
Um, I think like be kind to yourself and be patient too. Um, I don't know like any specific questions. Um, yeah, it's so like I find nutrition is just so, as we said multiple times, n equals one. Um, you know, depending on the what you're working, what your goals are. Um, so like you know, five years ago or six years ago, my goal was gut health. So my diet looked a lot different than it is now when it's for performance. Um, and I think a lot of it is taken some time, but it also is like being patient and like, don't be scared of change. And I think that's another thing is like, don't be scared to try new things. And if it's like against what you might've believed before. Awesome. Ariel, thank you so much for your time today. If someone wants to ask you more questions or just follow your OCR journey, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram. At, I think my handle is arielfits22. I like that. I think <laughs> I think that's what it is. That is uh-huh. what it is. <laughs> Sounds right. I'm happy to help. I love talking to people about this. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much. It was a really fun conversation. My pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed that episode today. Before I close out, I want to talk to you about my eight-week return to running program. If you've been off running for a period of time, just because life's gotten the best of you, or maybe you've been injured and had to take some time off, Returning to running properly is key. Meaning don't ramp up too fast, too soon, or you're just setting yourself up for injury or perhaps re-injury. That's why I created this eight week return to running program. It ramps you up properly and safely so you can minimize that risk of injury as you return to running. So head over to getyourfixpt.com slash courses to check out my eight-week return to running program, as well as all of my other online programs. Thank you again for tuning in today. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.